cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Hi, I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 29th of September 2009. For the newcomers, look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website, where you'll find hundreds of hours of talks I've given over the past, where I try to fill in all the little black, the blank spots in history, uh, the things that are really important that are in between the pages uh, that get published in front of our eyes. I try to put the parts in that should be inserted and certainly do exist in higher uh, levels of uh, intelligence, you might say. And I try to show you where it's all going and to show you that the world is planned. The future is always planned by power brokers who all work together like one big mafia. And after all, it's the history of the planet that uh, powerful groups always form together. At first they compete, then they join together, and then you have the big club at the top. And the reason that they have to be totalitarian now, and it's a totalitarian society we're going into, we're actually under it, is because we're going through the greatest changes in their plan into the next phase, the new world order, where they'll create eventually screening for people who can pass on their genes to others, eliminate others, that they'll say they're simply inferior through racial hygiene and all that kind of stuff. The stuff that we saw in Nazi Germany that they borrowed from Britain and this is why we're going through all of these incredible changes since 2001, the century of change. So look into CuttingThroughMatrix.com website, bookmark the other sites I have for future use in case the big servers go down. And remember, too, that you bring me to you. I, I don't get backed by any big company, any organization, any NGO, foundation. It's up to you to keep me going by buying that which I have for sale on the website, CuttingThroughMatrix.com, and how to pay uh, for the books I have for sale are on the website. There's personal check. It's fine within Canada and the U.S. There's also PayPal you can use for donations or to purchase. And you can also use MoneyGram outside of the Americas or Western Union or straight cash. Some people just send the straight cash, and that cuts out the guy with all the, the triple chins. And for those who get the disc burned and passed around to them, write to me at Alan Watt, site 41, box 4, Estaire, which is E-S-T-A-I-R-E, -E, Ontario, Canada. Postal code is P as in Peter, 3, E as in Elizabeth, 4, N as in Nora, 1, P3E, 4, N, 1. And I've been going on about reality. It's so important to understand what reality really is. It's, to most people, it's the, it's the society with all of its realisms or topics of the day in which they live. That is the reality. Reality for most people today actually comes from television uh, and their education in an earlier uh, part of their life. But television takes over and they're downloaded from then on with new programs, uh, even new terminology that they pick up from television shows. They used to have teenager shows on at one time uh, to do with schools, like Degrassi High was one, and lots of new terminology was introduced into the vocabulary through these kinds of shows. That's how it's done. 
because children imitate what they see so easily, they mimic it, and they start to use the same terms, and they also emulate the behavior they see on television. It's quite something. You've no idea how much programming comes from television, none at all, and how it's literally changed a whole generation in preparation for what's coming up now. As soon as television was given to the public, the big boys at the top were already using it from the very get-go to gradually change an existing society with its own culture and turn it 180 degrees because you must destroy society with its culture completely to dominate it and to destroy the fact that people stand up for each other. That's an essential part and it's been done. Back with more after this break. Alan Watchworth, Cutting Through the Matrix. Just mentioning how reality is constantly updated, never too much at one time. It's done incrementally till we accept the changes. And many of us alive today have, have lived through some of the big revolutions, as it was called, sexual revolutions and uh, gender revolutions, all whole bunches of revolutions and women's lib revolutions, all funded from the same big foundations in order to destroy societies and, and so they could be rebuilt properly. You see, though it was improper, it was just too, too much, too undisciplined for when people made their own decisions and decided if they were going to get married and who they wanted to get married to and choose their own careers. That kind of thing was too untidy. They wanted a planned society. That's planning how many people you want to serve you. Number one, because we've always lived under a form of slavery in one, one form or another. There's many kind of hidden forms of slavery. This is a more sophisticated one, according to Charles Galton Darwin in his own book, The Next Million Years. Very sophisticated. People don't know they're, they're in slavery. But when so much of a chunk of your labor goes back to government, your masters, via taxes, you are in slavery. You know... I've mentioned Huxley before, Aldo Huxley, who was in on, a big, uh, on the big think tanks, big meetings, big world meetings, along with Bertrand Russell and many others of their ilk at that time, back in the 30s, 40s, 50s. So when they came out with books, they were not just dreaming stuff up out of thin air. It's because they, they, they could tell the public so much, but not that th this was actually a plan. They could tell them that, well, groups of men could do this, very rich, powerful men could take over the world if they wanted to by using these methods. But of course they couldn't say it was actually happening. Because it was happening. It was already happening in their lifetime and they were part of that control group of scientists who were used to bring in the systems and find ways to implement the systems to alter society through cultural changes, behavioral changes, mainly through what they read through novels and all the rest of it. I've said before that so many novels right through from the 50s onwards especially were written by people selected by the CIA. That's in America's cultural Cold War. Now declassified information. Poets, novelists, scriptwriters, screenwriters were employed by the CIA to alter the culture. Meanwhile, back home in the U.S., mainly 
people were blaming the communists. It was all the communists. And, of course, then you have, have the, the, the lonely voice out there of the only guy who knew what was going on, and that was the, the historian for the Council on Foreign Relations, Professor Carl Quigley, who says, uh, yes, he says, um, a, a group, a parallel group of government have been running this country for 60 years, and that was in the, the 1960s he wrote the book. And he did say that they were often mistaken for communism. See, collectivism is only one phase of their system that they bring you through and prepare you for the next step. It's quite easy to do. And the big problem they had in the 30s even, when they talked about cloning, like in the 30s, read Huxley's Brave New World, and, and creating perfect beings for the job, purpose-made beings for the jobs. Tall ones, short ones, ones with extra arms, you name it, that kind of stuff. But they also talked about ways of conditioning and holding on to the public's minds and the techniques they would use through suggestion and forms, forms of hypnosis. See, most hypnosis is not a, it's not a guy standing with a watch at the end of a chain. It's done through suggestion and repetition. But this is what, um, this is from a letter of Aldo Huxley to George Orwell. And it's from a book that's published by Harper and Rowe. It's uh, the letters of Aldo Huxley, edited by Grover Smith from Harper and Rowe, 1969. And it says here, Within the next generation, I believe that the world's leaders will discover that infant conditioning, infant conditioning, and narco, as drugging, hypnosis, are more efficient as government of instruments of government than clubs and prisons and that the lust for power can be just as completely satisfied by suggesting people into loving their servitude as by flogging them and kicking them into obedience. In other words, I feel that the nightmare of 1984 is destined to modulate, to change, into the nightmare of a world having more resemblance to that which I imagined in the brave new world. And he's right. We have to go through the, the, the totalitarian 1984 scenario before we can go into the brave new world, totally to control society, where it will be unimaginable for any creature that's cloned off in the future to even think of itself as a distinct individual, never mind rebelling against the system. And remember, these guys were top advisors to intelligence agencies and world intelligence services. Really, there's only one world intelligence service, just one. And when they were writing the cultural Cold Wars back in, in that time, uh, during the Cold War, uh, and hiring novelists, screenwriters, scriptwriters, they were also doing the same in Britain through MI6. They managed that side of it there too. But they're also doing from the U.S. and funding it from the U.S. the whole scene right across the whole of Europe. And hence you had what people thought was, was really this revolution for the teenagers. And that's when pop music exploded Suddenly, and it was a sudden thing across the whole of Europe, pushed from the top down. At that time in Britain, there was only the BBC, the British Broadcasting Corporation, owned by the government. There was an arm of government. And they were ones promoting all this stuff. And along with it came the appropriate fashion, which they tried in the 20s, the miniskirt. And it was sex, drugs, and rock and roll that came next. Sex, drugs, rock and roll. 
And there was lots of all of that all through that period as they were taking down society and all of the values and morality that goes with it because at the end they knew they would have a society that could not bond. Men and women couldn't bond for any length of time. They could be as promiscuous as they wanted to, but they couldn't bond. And that was the important thing because for government to be total, it couldn't have any semblance or remnant of the tribal system where people would stand up on behalf of someone who's been accused by government. When government can talk directly through the screen to you, like they did in 1984 in the movie, that's when they have total power. That's what it's all about. Total destruction of all that was. And, uh, again, back in that time, if you'd talk to the average person and say, you know, 2001 will come in and we'll suddenly all be under a martial law scenario We'll all be getting monitored 24 hours a day. Uh, every letter you send will be opened. Every email, well, not email, it was even known. Every phone call that you make will be monitored by government agencies. No one would have believed you. And that's why this works so well. No one will ever believe it will happen. Even as you're going through it, they still don't believe it's happening. Or if they believe it's now happening because the major media affirms that it's happening, they'll believe the media version is done for a good cause. Because most people cannot think for themselves. They do expect the media to do the reasoning for them and to tell them what to dwell upon. The media can tell you the most horrific things, but if they don't tell you to dwell and think about this, they won't. It'll go right through their head and on to the next topic. That's well understood in all behavioral courses now at university. I read this article before to show you some of this, how this works together. I've talked about Skinner before behavioral um, psychology and how he's a hero this guy who dropped children you know a foot from the from from a, a bed to see if they'd cry and stuff when they hit the ground and locked his own daughter in the skinnerian cage as they called it to observe her getting brought up as an animal this wonder there's all they're all amazing guys these these these, these paragons of science they're all psychopaths and the elite just love them they pick them well but anyway, it says here, and this is from the Telegraph, the 19th of September, EU funding, that's the Economic Union funding, Orwellian Artificial Intelligence Plan to monitor public for abnormal behavior. The European Union is spending millions of pounds developing Orwellian technologies designed to scour the Internet and CCTV ca image, camera images for abnormal behavior. And I've got to find the articles I read in the 1970s from American Psychological Association when they said they wanted all these cameras in then throughout America and also eventually in the homes of every citizen so that professionals could study them and intervene before there was any aggressive things happening at, at in domestic disputes. And this says a five-year research program called Project Index aims to develop computer programs which act as agents to monitor and process information from websites. Now here you are, all you folk who blab everything out there in discussions and forums and all the rest of it. From websites, discussion forums, file servers, peer-to-peer -peer networks, and even individual computers. Right? Now they've already been doing it when they announce something. Its main objectives include the automatic de detection of threats and abnormal behavior or violence. Now, there's many ways to interpret violent behavior. A tone of voice, 
a certain adjective you used before a noun. There's many, many ways. It says Project INDEC will receive nearly £10 million in funding from the European Union involves the police services of Northern Ireland and computer scientists at York University in addition to colleagues in nine other countries. Now I read that one before but just to, to, to recap on the topics to follow. And remember these sites I'll put up at the end of the show on cuttingthroughthematrix.com. These links will be up there for you. If we go into, for instance, the Stanford uh, Institute, the Stanford Persuasive Technology Lab. Did you know there was a technology lab for persuasion run by a top university? Well, hold on, I'm going to this when I come back from this break. through the matrix and showing you how your reality is managed basically where you get your reality from and how you're updated with new realities without even noticing it and how you'll emulate what you see and you hear and you'll even speak into existence the new words that you hear in coupled phrases and all the rest of it this is from the Stanford Persuasive Technology Lab Stanford Persuasive Technology Lab creates insight into how computing products from websites to mobile phone software can be designed to change what people believe and what they do. Yes, this can be a scary topic, machines designed to influence human beliefs and behaviors, but then they tell you a spin, you see, and tell you why it's good for you. It says, but there's good news. We believe that much like human persuaders, persuasive technologies can bring about positive changes in many domains, including health, business, safety, and education. So it's okay to brainwash people as long as you're doing it for the right reasons and they'll decide what's right and what your education will be, in fact. They're going to say, we also believe that new advances in technology can help promote world peace in 30 years. Remember the definition of, of world peace is absence of all opposition. It says here, with such positive ends in mind, we are creating a body of expertise in the design, theory, and analysis of persuasive technologies in an area called captology. Isn't that a nice word, captology? We are captivated, I guess. By arriving at this page, you've reached the main website for our research lab, directed by Dr. B.J. Fogg, who sees rather clearly. I added that last bit. That's my little joke for the night. On this site, you'll find an overview of captology, learn about examples, have access to captology resources, and be invited to receive our lab's free newsletter. We also share some insights in our blog, Captology Notebook. They've also gone on about their videos and their TV sites and all the rest of it. So this site has dozens of short videos showing you how companies use the web today to influence people's thoughts and behaviors. That's from Captology TV. Then you give an overview of it. Captology is the intersection of computers and persuasion. Captology is a study of computers as persuasive technologies. This includes the design, research, and analysis of interactive computing products created for the purpose of changing people's attitudes or behaviors. I'll read that last part again for the hard of thinking. This includes the design, research, and analysis of interactive computing products created for the purpose of changing people's attitudes or behaviors. 
As the graphic shows, Captology describes the area where computing technology and persuasion overlap. This area continues to grow quickly. Each week, more computing products, including websites, are designed to change what people think and do. We expect this trend to continue, especially as mobile phones become more capable of running software from third parties and the Internet. Captology is global. Beginning at Stanford in the 1990s, the study of persuasive technology is now a global area of research and design. In the early days, we were doing research, conducting classes, and organizing events at Stanford. But we did not organize the first global conference. We appreciate our colleagues at the Eindhoven University of Technology for organizing this in 2006. We even have world meetings about it. The first international conference on persuasive technology for human well-being. Isn't it amazing to brainwash you through ways you don't even know are happening, which is the best kind of brainwashing? They call it for human well-being, right? It says since then the conference has been an annual event bringing together researchers and practitioners around the world. There's a whole bunch of links on the site. I'll put this link up to their major site at cuttingthroughthematrix.com and you can check it out for yourself. It's interesting to see one area, and this is just one from one source uh, that really is responsible for a lot of the stuff you're now thinking. And they also prepare your minds for the next big changes in culture and society without even knowing it before they happen. They prepare you for it. That's quite, quite something, really. And this other one here is called... Uh, um, mobile Persuasion Cover V2. It's a paperback, apparently, too. The Stanford University Persuasive Technology Lab has created a new book about how mobile phones are becoming platforms for persuasion. I'll put this link up as well for you to look into that. They have a book out. I guess you have to buy it. But uh, as I say, for how mobile phones are becoming platforms. Now, they use that terminology and weaponry now for the military platforms, weapon platforms, a platform for persuasion, which is a weapon, of course, it is done through scientific devious means. And there's also cryptology TV. I've mentioned that before. I'll give you the link for that too. That's from the, the same uh, people. Cryptology TV is a place for sharing insights, observations, and new ideas about persuasive technology through video. Some of our favorite videos are below. Please explore the rest of the site through the categories above. You've got various themes, etc. And you can look into that, all from the same place. Now, that's only one place in one country from our university. And I've gone through the other one, cryptology. There's also this one. This is, again, to do with how cameras are being used for many different reasons that they give us. Often they're misleading. They have other reasons behind them. Cameras everywhere really is meant to intimidate you, and I've mentioned this before. In totalitarian regimes, you generally see the face of the big boss at the top everywhere you go on a poster or a wall staring at you. Well, now it's cameras meant to intimidate you. Science, you see, is a new master, and they're watching you back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.
we're cutting through the matrix. Let's go through a series of articles to show you how you arrive at what you think are your conclusions about things, and you won't have a clue that's been put into your head by others. It's, it's even worse than that. It isn't just that. They're also watching you like crazy, putting incredible money into more and more cameras to intimidate you. That's what cameras do. They intimidate you. When you know you're under a camera, whether you're driving or walking, you won't behave the same. You won't feel the same. You won't feel as physically or mentally well either, knowing you're being observed all the time because it's a form of stress that builds up and is continuous. That's intentional. The same technique was used in totalitarian countries when they had the pictures of Lenin and Stalin and Adolf all over the place, and it's, it works very, very well. You couldn't go into your, your apartment without passing them in, your, in the hallway. There's obviously posters, the guys watching you everywhere, until you end up literally in George Orwell's 1984, where there's a camera in your room, in every room in your place, at watching you in a big screen, a big screen, to make sure the big brother, when he appears on that screen, to talk down to you as if really you're going to appear like a big brother, bigger than you. All psychology in, in, the, in, the, in the working, you see. And here's what they're doing in Britain. Britain is the flagship for everything that happens across the world in this new brave new world scenario. And this article is from The Telegraph. It's 23rd of September. Artificially intelligent cameras could now prevent crimes before they happen. What's interesting is they call it ISIS. Oh, they love to rub it in your face, ISIS, the goddess ISIS, right? The ISIS program. It's a sort of little thumbs, thumb up at you or maybe forefinger, one of the fingers up at you. That's how they do it, these creeps at the top. And it says the CCTV technology identifies suspicious individuals and behavior and then acts to stamp out crimes before they happen. When a crime looks like it's going to occur, the system will verbally warn the perpetrator and then, if necessary, alert the nearest police officer. Now, they already have these cameras up in Britain and big screens in shopping malls. If you drop a bit of litter, uh, you, your image will appear on this massive screen for all to see to humiliate you, you see. And a voice will tell you to pick it up. Yes, you, you down there. You know, and you pick it up and meekly go along and, and put that caramel wrapper in the trash can where it belongs. So they're going to step further, you see. So they predict crime and then warn you before something happens. ISIS, a short for Integrated Sensor Information Systems, oh, aren't they clever, eh? these little boys? is being developed by a team at Queen's University Belfast and its Centre for Secure and Information Technologies. And actually they're getting the funding again from the EU, from the first article I read. And the EU is not a democratic institution any more than the, the new parliament for the Americas will be when it's put up. And it will come. It says, designed to work with the extensive network of CCTV cameras already installed on buses and trains, as well as in stations, airports, and on the street. It centers on specially developed computer vision technology that analyzes images picked up by CCTV and is able to profile individuals to see if they pose a risk and then to check for patterns of behavior that may be suspicious or antisocial. Boy, they've covered... In legal terms, antisocial, the field is wide open. You can drag you in. Wait, we saw an antisocial grimace on your face there. You're guilty. That's it. 
The computer constantly assesses the situation, and if it becomes a major risk, alerts a control room who can send out a verbal warning or alert officers nearby to stamp out crimes before they occur. Criteria that ISIS, ISIS will look for are likely to include clothing such as hooded tops, sudden movements, odd behavior such as moving seats or verbal aggression. Moving seats. Imagine in a public place, you get off the seat, well, I've done that, but I've moved when I realized that someone had, had a few too many beers in that particular area before I'd got on that seat. You know what I'm saying? Now you're going to be a suspect if you move. And verbal aggression. Verbal aggression. Metal detectors, motion detectors, and even microphones could eventually be added to sharpen the system further. Well, that will definitely all be added because they use mics and all the cameras they put up already. They didn't tell the public that in the beginning, but I knew that, and sure enough, they can listen in 200 to 300 yards away as you're talking in the doorway of a shop, for instance. Boy, this is the home of democracy here, eh, Britain. We have 4 million cameras across the country at present, but their impact on anti-social behavior is actually fairly negligible, said Dr. Paul Miller, who is part of the 50-strong team. We aim to develop a system which helps to make crime-free buses, train stations, and airports a reality. We think it will be a strong deterrent. It puts me in mind of Eleanor Roosevelt when she went off to see her hero, uh, Stalin, and her other hero, uh, Pavlov. She said that in her own book, when she came back and wrote it, or ghost, had a ghost written for her. And she talked about the school children going to, to school. She says, you know, they're all kind of lifeless as they sort of uh, all march along to school quietly um, compared to American children who are noisy and blusterous and kind of boisterous and, and verbal. And she says, but she preferred the Soviet system because the children, although there was no sort of happiness present, uh, they were so well disciplined and so well behaved. This is what this puts me in mind of, because everyone is going to be trained by knowing they're on camera that it stops spontaneous natural behavior, including happiness, folks. Can't have any joy in this, this brave new world. That joy could mean, in fact, that you're, you're, you're exuberant and you think you have rights and freedoms and stuff far better than your glum and your, you wear grey clothing like they did in the Soviet era and stare at the sidewalk as you walk along that way you don't offend anybody especially spies this is a brave new world you know I said before this is a, an incredible agenda that was worked out years before 9-11 with all countries involved long before 9-11 because they're all going the same system at the same time everywhere and we're all allowing it to happen. And who's paying for all? Your labor and taxes are paying for all. As this prison has been built up around you. And you say nothing. This is disgusting. A prison has been built off the whole planet Earth and we say nothing. And they can use this rubbish of uh, preventing crime and terrorism for anything that they want to do to you, if you allow it. This is a science fiction film, Minority Report, directed by Steven Spielberg, and starring Tom Cruise, revolves around a pre-crime police unit that is able to identify and prevent crimes before they happen. 
And that's why they sort of modelled this after that, or the other way around, no doubt, because the guys in Hollywood are always in the know of what's coming up. Quite something, eh? And uh, I always tell people, try and get the black and white version of 1984. It was made uh, in 1984 as a, a tribute to Orwell. And um, it starts off with uh, Winston, the main character, in his apartment, having to go around a little corner in the room uh, to get away from the camera so he could write in the diary what was really happening. Because he was spied on. And here's the face of Big Brother in the next room staring at you all the time. And now there's a massive campaign to put these cameras in the homes of people in Britain. Starting with people targeted mainly by children's aid or anyone accused of any kind of infringement of the multitude of laws over there to do with children to see if you're taking care of children properly as the state wants you to take care of them. Putting cameras in through law to spy on you 24 hours a day. And it's a pilot project that will be spread to everyone's home eventually. And they'll tell you, it's for your safety. They'll even have ads on TV of the elderly saying, oh, thank goodness I collapsed there and they saw it. They do that with identity bracelets on the ads on television already. So they use that for this as well. We'll be so well taken care of. Because no one can commit any crime because we'll be manacled to the walls the time they're finished if we let them. Disgusting. Disgusting. The people who call themselves humans will allow this to happen to them. Disgusting. But again, too, it's at the right time, you see, because society has had a war on it for over a hundred years through culture, culture war and education war, and they've destroyed the cohesiveness within society that held it together and made people stand up for each other and stand up for their moral rights. They had common morals at that time, believe it or not. And they did stand up for the little guy getting picked on. And now no one will stand up for anyone else because they've all been divided as they live in their own little personal headspace. They haven't had a clue. There was a war ongoing on them for a long, long time. Grandparents, parents themselves. Hadn't a clue. And then, now of course, even in the UK, and again, it's the prototype for all countries, I mentioned an article the other night there where you have to be vetted now to even ferry your neighbor's child to the school, even if you're taking your own children to the school. You must go through a government agency now to get vetted. Millions of people are already getting vetted right now. Millions of people. The Mail Online, and this is from September 26th, two working mothers have been banned from looking after each other's toddlers because they're not registered childminders. The close friend's private arrangement led them both to return to part-time jobs at the same company. However, a whistleblower reported them to the education watchdog. Isn't that wonderful? Just like, just like these, they have these dirty little spies all throughout your communities. And I've warned people before, anyone who's around you in your neighborhood, you tell them nothing, nothing about yourselves. Do you know, they've been collecting data through gossip to police stations for over 50-odd years. Jack Zellal wrote a book about that in one of his books. Gossip. 
whistleblower reported them to the education watchdog Ofsted, and it found their informal deal broke the law. It's two working mothers, right, from looking after each other's toddlers. This was because little-known rules say friends cannot gain a reward by looking after a child for more than two hours outside the child's home without agreeing to a number of checks, including one from the Criminal Records Bureau. I said, we're way beyond the Soviet system here. This is, the, this is the Soviet system on steroids. Oh, the mothers never paid each other. Their job-sharing deal was judged to be a reward. Oh, boy, these lawyers. Eh? We should boo, boo, give them their own island, preferably one that sinks after they're all on it. Campaigners fear, fear thousands of working families could be innocently breaking the rules by relying on close friends for informal childcare. Amazing, eh? But remember, too, under the new laws of the United Nations, the children aren't yours anyway. You're just there to make sure that you pay for their upkeep. Their conditioning and their brainwashing will be done by the state, according to Bertrand Russell. It's far more economical. You just pay for their clothing and give them a place to, to, to live and feed them. That's the only right you have left anymore under the United Nations law of the child. Literally. Remember, Plato said the same thing too. And the big boys really did believe that eventually they'd have to take children away from their parents because the parents could contaminate them with obsolete moralities. That's what Bertrand Russell said. But through his experimental schools, he said if we can get the children as, as, as young as two years of age at kindergarten, scientific indoctrination will overcome any parental input on that topic. But these guys always thought right up to the 20th century they'd have to eventually separate to get one generation totally separate from their parents. They wouldn't even know who they were. And then the state would brainwash them. That was always the collectivist, Sovietized ideal, all paid for by the big bankers of London and New York. Capitalism ran communism. The great experiment, they called it. And it was an experiment because we're now taking over and it's more expanded version for the world. This is what this is all about. And lawyers are having... Isn't it amazing that whatever new, new thing happens in society, there's an, another tier of lawyers to interpret it. Huh? Another tier. Always jobs for the boys, eh? Who quibble over words and get round things by using other words. It's all to do with words. In the beginning, God spoke the world into existence. What they're telling you there is that this system is an allegory for the system. You speak reality into existence. You speak it, the spoken word. Spoken word. And then they go and reinterpret everything to suit themselves in law. That's why they tell you to shut up in court, but the lawyer do the speaking. And it's a joust. That's what they have. A joust between knights on the battlefield using legalese and knowledge of the law. Nothing to do with what's right and wrong, or even the victim sitting over there, or, or the guy that's accused sitting over there. They're just bystanders as these two guys go at it with their little quips and winks and nods and Masonic stands and gestures. That's all it is. But they never fail, do they? And also, from the Times Online, you've got some 
people in Britain are selling their kidneys now to pay off debts. Now, the last time I heard about this, it was, uh, I think it was the Philippines that did television specials on the poor in the Philippines getting ripped off mightily. I think they're getting about $500 a kidney. And the, the guys who were buying them, of course, were, get, buying, were, were <coughs> selling them for thousands of dollars to the, to the person, the recipient. And it was all going into the United States at the time. And uh, the ones who were getting their kidneys taken out, it costs more for treatment to, for infections and various things that set in than the money that they were given all together for their kidneys. But now they're selling their kidneys in Britain. This is from the Sunday Times, September 27th. British victims of the credit crunch are offering to sell their kidneys for £25,000 or more to help pay debts. An investigation by the Sunday Times has revealed. Now, it's very interesting how they word this as well, because you see how they play it. Uh, it's also wanting to help people. They're getting you used to cannibalization, more and more cannibalization. At least a dozen ads have appeared on the Internet offering kidneys for sale from British donors. Five of the sellers corresponded with undercover journalists, so they're putting sting operations up, who posed as friends and relatives of sick patients to negotiate sales. One person willing to sell a kidney is a 26-year-old mental health nurse, I think he's mental, all right, who said he needed the money to pay debts after a business he set up went bankrupt. Another is a 43-year-old taxi driver from Lancashire who wants to raise cash to pay off some of his mortgage and buy a new kitchen. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, it won't be much there of steak and kidneys, will he? Back with more after this break. through the matrix, just going through the progression of the New World Order, as it was exactly where it predicted it would go, because they planned it all after all. And uh, it's astonishing how the public just accept it. Um, I, guess, I guess, as I say, they've had so many years of preparing the minds of the people and, and, and uh, making them feel downtrodden, especially in Britain. It's a perfect place to try it out because they've had years and years of financial depressions and, and job losses and factories closing down. Uh, as we get ready for amalgamation with Europe, and uh, and here they are, they're ready for it. And I think it's a, 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 the breaking of the spirit of the people. It's what they do. To be honest with you, that's what they do, and then they bring out their totalitarian regime openly in your face. Now we'll go to the phones, and there's Brian from Alabama. There, are you there, Brian? Hey, Alan. Uh, yes. Just wanted to say I appreciate everything that you do. And for new people who are wanting to study uh, the New World Order, if you could break it down into six or eight categories, what would they be? The categories of the New World Order, it's, it's a complete system. That's the whole thing. It's every facet of life, purpose as well, function. In fact, you won't exist without a function in it shortly. Uh, that's a big part of it. Um, and, of course, it's to do with eugenics and eugenical, uh, a new eugenical breed. If you go back into the, the early 1900s, and even into the, the woman who brought out planned abortion, uh, that was Margaret Sanger, a fan of Hitler and Stalin. And uh, odd, too, because she was Jewish. I mean, she admired both of them. But she wrote a book called The Coming New Race of Women, you know, and she called it The Race a race of women, as, as though they'd be spe- separate from men altogether and specially bred and created, in fact, as a separate, distinct race. This is a very old agenda, 
It's funded by the richest people on the planet. They'll use everything that you need. That's food, water, shelter, clothing, heat, everything. Uh, they'll be in control of all of that. And they'll have you going cap in hand to them for all your basic survival needs. Uh, it's totalitarian in every possible respect, right down to if you're going to get born, do they need you? And if, you, if they're going to let you get born by predetermining your genes, they'll see what, what you'll be trained to do. That literally is what it's about, Sci a scientifically um, controlled society from even preconception uh, into conception and, and uh, work life and all the rest of it. It's a hell on earth that's what they're bringing in. Yeah. Okay. Hello? No, I'm, st I'm still here. That's, I, I was just, uh, I, I'm, I'm trying to uh, actually you know, uh, break it down into categories so I can... Uh, mm -hmm. Are you talking about uh, control like mechanisms, or, or is that what you're talking about? Yes, like, like uh, the, 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 I mean, we know the Federal Reserve or monetary uh, is one of their main tools. It's one of their main uh, tools. You know, it's, the, it's probably the prime tool, because money is the first contract to get people to work in a system dependent upon that system. You're not dependent upon it. So you're quite right. Money is the kick. Anything... Anything that exists outside of money is under the control of money, including whole governments and nations. So you're quite right. Food is the other thing. Um, uh, the five agribusinesses are, are no coincidence that they're out there and have taken over almost all of the world's food supply. And they're on the final legs for the last of it. And we now have water companies, companies that literally were born in Britain. They will own the world's water supplies, fresh water, everything. Um, it's, it's complete um, ownership of all natural resources, but you will not be allowed to participate in or have any of that unless you go along with their system. It's the most evil system ever devised on this planet, and it can't be allowed to succeed. From Hamish myself, Ontario, Canada, it's good night, and may your God or your gods go with you.